works. It's multi-purpose AG1, works for everything. I mean, it truly does. Not only does it fix the inside of your body, it fixes your outside living space. It really does. Uh, welcome back to the show. It is The Grid for May 25th, 2013. Chas Smith, welcome. So happy to be here. There is no place else I'd rather be than right here in a podcast. Right. You'd be amazed. After 10 years of podcasting, I still feel anxiety uh, going into a show. And um, the night before all of it, you know, like I just days where I'm not recording are just easier. But once I start prepping the show and I listen to listener emails and uh, listener line calls and all that, I get excited. And then I'm like amped up like I'm ready to roll, you know, because it's actually fun. I totally hear you. I completely agree. I love every second. And yeah, I mean... You know, especially the community, I reckon, like the people who listen and reach out and the sort of conversation that happens around the week that that I guess works to a, I don't know if I'd call it a crescendo, but uh, like it all builds up to a moment where it's fun to address and deal with and then off we go. Yeah, totally. It's it's become a really, really enjoyable thing for me. So um, I feel alive. You know me what too. I mean? I feel alive and actively engaged with the surf world. So thank you for that, fans and listeners. We appreciate it. So much. I was going to play a call um, under the opening music for you and I to listen to and then lead into the show that way, but I forgot to do it. Should I just play it now? Let's do it. Let's hear it. Okay, cool. Hey, David and Chaz. Ryan from Pensacola, Florida calling into the grit i uh, got an idea for a kook or current and it is blocking chaz on social media it seems like the only people who get really worked up on chaz and uh his antics are people who take surfing way too seriously uh because they don't quite understand how it works yet or kelly slater for example um I know he just posted a new article that he still has not been unblocked, but uh, Kelly is currently going through the list to promote Coley sandals. But uh, yeah, so that's my Cooker Curran. Or, yeah, Cooker Curran blocking Chaz on social media. Uh, let me know what you think about that one. All right, see you guys. Thanks. It's funny. It is so true. The problem is, uh, here's the one problem. Where mm. do you rank is CJ Hobgood a current? A hundred percent. He's a world champ. Exactly. And CJ Hobgood follows me on social media. Oh, I see. I see, see the conundrum. Is, that's the conundrum right there is yes, a lot of kooks block me. Yes, Kelly Slater blocks me. You know, I wonder in almost all the kooks and I mean, slash, yeah, kooks and currents, if there's a CJ Hobgood caveat. I feel Siege is his own sort of current. Yeah, 100% he is. Siege, but like different than current. Siege, I mean, we could almost do a kook or Siege. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, to the listener's call, it doesn't have to be that all currents do it or all kooks do it. It just has to be that those are the only two that do it and there's no intermediate. That's true. Okay, it. check. Got so you. Siege, Got you. Siege can still follow you and it doesn't defy the listener's suggestion. However, I do think it's a little um, – the way the kook, kook and current works otherwise is that it's universal. You know, it exists everywhere in the world. These happen, these happen in lineups around the world, whereas – 
not everybody around the world knows you. It's very specific. It's very specific to this show, in fact. So, um, <laughs> so I don't think that it quite applies. It's not as universally, you know, performed. Let's say. But, but it is true, though. I think there. I think uh, broadening it out a little bit, and we need a more specific example, I suppose. But of people who take surfing mm-hmm. way too seriously totally. are kooks or. Uh, I mean, kooks and currents, like yeah. people who really take it to like, this is it, right? Nobody, no intermediate surfer lives or dies on the hill of surfing. Right. Where I feel kooks do. And I feel mm, Tom Curran might not die on that hill, but I think Kelly Slater certainly does. Yeah, totally. Um, well, there's another listener call that I'm going to play at the end of the show, but I want to let people know just to stick around for the end. Cause it's worth listening to. Um, do you, I don't know if you remember Toby from Portugal. I sure do. Okay. It's weird how, um, I forget so much, but then there's certain things that I do remember from years back, but Toby wasn't that long ago, but he had the British accent and we questioned the authenticity of his British accent, Yep. but he's living in Portugal. Anyways, he calls, he chimes in on the whole, whether or not vegetables are toxic for human beings. Oh, good. This is something, this is something that we should mine further. Well, he has the, he's going to represent the opposite side of Pro what veg. was represented from our previous emailer. And, um, he has some very compelling, very salient points, almost too rational for us here and this show. It's a problem. But it's a problem that sometimes crops up as it were. It really does. Over rationality. It really does. You listen to him and you're like, wow, that makes a ton of sense. <laughs> and uh, I don't know if it even fits into our show. So let's just play it at the end because it's too rational. So um, at the risk of going down another kind of non-serve rabbit hole, as we're prone to do, I'm going to play it at the end of the show. Tell everybody it's worth sticking around for or just scrub directly forward and listen to that only instead of listening to us for the next hour. Great. He also mentioned, by the way, that he's uh, a bit of gratitude at the beginning of the call for our skin cancer PSAs. Is he a survivor? He did not mention that. That's where I thought the call was going. He did not mention it. He just mentioned that he was grateful for us to mention it. Uh, But I present to you a quiz now because you've had a couple of weeks to stew on this information. I want to know what are the ABCs of skin checks, Chaz Smith? The ABCs of skin checks are A, is it abnormal? B, is it a bummer? (laughs) And and C, uh, is it, is it, does it look crappy? The ABCs of skin checking. Okay. So when you're looking at the spots in your bodies and you see something, is it a bummer or not is... An indicator. Yeah, yeah. Is it, does it, do you look at that and are you thinking, because I think in your mind you think, oh man, something's not right there. That looks like it might be a bummer, right? Got so it. A is, uh, what was it again? Abnormal. Abnormal. Yeah. <laughs> okay. B is a bummer. You look at okay. it and think that's a bummer. And C is, well, it looks crappy too. Okay. Like not only is it a bummer, it looks crappy. I, I think you... I mean, that's very different than what Sunbum is promoting, but it's very, <laughs> it's still equally, I think, um, helpful. I yeah, think yeah, I think it's it. good. Yeah, A- the ABCs. ABCs. Abnormal bummer crappy. 
Totally. <laughs> Good to know. Go see a dermatologist if something looks crappy on your skin. Yep. Very, very good information. Yep. How do you define it though? How do you define crappy is the question. Is there a measurement that you, we could take? Kind of. I mean, I think if you look at that compared to other things on your skin and you think that looks crappier than the other stuff, then okay. because you can't really, you know, we're all unique. We're all flowers, right? We can't mm-hmm. like be judging ourselves on somebody else. Uh, but you can judge stuff against your own self. And or the a internet. Petunia, a petunia against a petunia. Exactly. So you're looking at that thing and you're thinking, you know, that thing's weird. That wasn't there before. You know, the more I look at it, the more it's seeming like a bummer. Mm. And now that I've really studied it fully, that looks crappy. Okay. Head off to cool. the D, dermatologist. A, B, C equals D. <laughs> <laughs> but to be, for, to be actually accurate, uh, Sunbum gives us all the way to E. Oh. They call it the ABCs, but there is a D and there is an E. So after dermatologist, I don't know what you got to offer. For you e. probably go, you probably go exfoliate that thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, like and sometimes exfoliation means getting it cut out with a knife, which sometimes, would be extraction. Yeah, extraction, exfoliation, extraction. I mean, potato, potato, really. There. Excellent. This yeah. has been very informative. Mm-hmm. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Okay, cool. And thanks, Sunbum. So Sunbum. Uh, whose ambition it is to move the needle on skin cancer has in fact this month on this very show. Um, Hopefully it's grown beyond that, but we had a listener, Brendan from South Australia, write in or yeah, write in last week to say that he went and saw the dermatologist as a result of our PSA. And they actually cut out three things, two of which happen to be melanoma. And I believe it's this week that he's going back to get it uh, extra margin cut out. So. Yeah, which is, I mean, a melanoma is like the serious one too. Melanoma is yeah. n- nothing to joke around with. I mean, no there skin cancer is, let's be honest. We're all survivors, but some of us are more survivor than others. Yeah. So congrats, Brendan. Thank you for doing that. Yep. And then um, for the record, the ABCs that Sunbum is suggesting that you employ for your own skin check, like here's the deal. You know your skin better than anybody else. Sure, you can go to the dermatologist and they will look at something and be like, that looks suspect to me. And then they'll say, has it always looked that way? Well, turns out you need to know whether it's always looked that way. So keeping kind of constant tabs on what's going on in your body. Evolution, of course, if anything changes, that's the E. But the A, based on Sunbum's uh, lettering, not Chaz's, is asymmetry. B is borders, if the borders are irregular. C is color, if there's variation in color between the moles. Uh, D is diameter. If anything's larger than six millimeters, turns out large is not good. So nope. larger than six millimeters is not good. Um, one thing in addition, and then E is evolution, but one thing that I've had a dermatologist tell me in the past was if a hair is growing out of a mole, that's actually a sign of it being okay. Okay. Look so at that. So you might, you might have something that looks large, but there's a hair growing out of it. You can rest assured that looks healthy. But and if you don't have a hair, if you have something weird and large that looks like a bummer and crappy and is big, you can always plant a hair in there just to make yourself feel better later. <laughs> How do you plant a hair? I figure you could just like stick one in there. You know, maybe it'll take. You I don't think it will. I mean, you need <laughs> you need a a firm sharp tip to pierce the skin. You know, that's the problem there. What if you uh plant your hair and then you put uh What's that stuff that they used to sell or they, there used to be ads for all the time? Um, the Rogaine. hair loss, the Rogaine and put Rogaine on it. That might work. I don't think Rogaine ever worked though. <laughs> Did it? I don't know. I know they sell it now. Do you get served those ads for hymns? I do. Yeah. Or I can't, I either get served them or I 
they must be on Instagram, right? Yeah, I get them where, on Instagram. Where it's like all the the ABCs of embarrassment for males. <laughs> it's erectile, erectile dysfunction for the A, uh, hair loss, which I don't know what the B for that could be. Bear, you're going bear. Yeah, yeah. what is it? Is that all? And then, de- I mean, I guess depression is not, that's not. No, but there are more that there, I haven't actually looked into their product line, but maybe we shouldn't be revealing that Instagram is feeding us those <laughs> things because it might indicate something else that you were searching on Google. I, I think, I mean, it could be, but I reckon that hymns, I'm getting the feeling, has such a, that's 100% of their advertising budget. And so they geo-target every single man age, you know, 25 to 60. Maybe so. Yeah, you can. Let's hope that's what they're doing, <laughs> and that they don't know more about your sexual prowess than that's true. you would like them to. And and or the state of my hair, and or the my mental well being, and your testosterone levels. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, okay. So shout out, thank you, Sunbum. So Sunbum not only is providing that PSA for all of our listeners and everybody uh, within the sound of our voice, but. They're making this show ad-free. So there was no commercials at the beginning. We just got straight into this scintillating surf talk, and there will be no commercials throughout. So thanks, Sunbun. And how amazing is that, too, that not only do you not have to listen to commercials, even though the commercials are usually probably the best part of the show, but that aside, uh, you get your life saved. I know. While not listening to commercials. Exactly. So Mm. good work. Thank you, Sunbum. Sunbum Sunbum.com if you do want to support. But um, So I mentioned last week that Miguel in the Canary Islands – was calling in and we never got to that call let's get to it let's get to it hey david and chas uh this is miguel from the canary islands um first of all apologies for my accent this uh, audio is going to be probably kind of a pain for you guys but anyway i think it's worth it um so i was uh having a laugh uh, listening to the last cook of current and uh, this thing just came to my mind um I went to a Billabong trip in uh, some 15 years ago. I don't know if you guys remember, but there was a, for some time Billabong uh, did these trips with a pro. So it was called Billabong Surf with a Pro. And uh, me and my brother-in-law, we went to El Salvador with um, with Donavon Frankenreiter. And the photographer and video photographer was uh, Pat Stacy. Uh, we could talk about the funny thing that is having Pat Stacy taking you pictures when you've only been surfing for, I don't know, five, six years and just started as an adult, which is crazy. Anyway, uh, the first thing that I remember is that uh, Donovan uh, got a new board. He, he just got a, a board from his saper. I, I can't remember the saper right now. He pulled it off the back and he started surfing it without obviously using a trackpad, but he didn't even wax it. No wax, no pad track. How is that for you guys? He ripped with that with that thing. And the other thing, obviously, he brought his guitar. And every night after surfing, he pulled out his guitar and started singing with another. And there was another guy, which is the funny thing. Another guy who obviously was a, wasn't a pro. He just paid for the trip to be with Donavon. Brought his guitar and brought his songs so he could. Uh, so Donovan, his new songs and his skills with the guitar, which was really awkward and uh, cringe, uh, cringy for us. Anyway, thank, thank guys and keep up the good work. 
for the record, Donovan Shaper, I believe, was Doc, uh, Doc Lausch. Doc Lausch. So can you shape, I mean, can you surf a Doc board wax-free? A C- couple questions here. A couple questions that I have. First of all, uh, I really love when men or women with a perfect accent, like the exotic, the exact way I would want to sound. If somebody said, hey, man. We know that you're tired of your dang, nasal, boring, really hard to listen to American, like, you know, it's kind of broadcast standard, but also it's worse than that. It's just awful in general. What would you want to sound like? I would say, ooh, make me sound like either a kind of sexy Spanish speaker or a French speaker or anything continental. Give me generic you're continental European, preferably not German is my first language, but I'll even take that. The English uh, native German speaker or non, yeah, non-native English speaker who's speaking English, whose first language is German. I even take that. I take Swedish. I take anything, but I would take most either Spanish or French and or now number one would be make me sound like I'm from the Canary Islands, please. What if I'm Miguel from the Canary Islands is what I'm dialing up, please. Yes. And so, Miguel, please feel free. I mean, we should just send, you and I should talk, have, I'm sure there's a transcript machine, right? That if we talk, then it will, mm-hmm. it'll dictate everything we're saying. This recording device that we're recording on trans, transcribes everything. Perfect. And so then we should just send that to Miguel. Miguel reads it and that's the podcast. I agree. I mean, Miguel could Done. find one of his buddies from the Canary Islands with an e- equally sensual accent. Yep. Just think how popular we'd be then. I agree. This is Way more Chesme popular. And uh, David Lee Scales. Well, and not only apologizing for having a great accent, but for having perfect English as <laughs> yeah. well. You know, you like think, better English than we have. Do you think people with great <laughs> accents who know they not only have a great accent, but they speak perfectly, just love to intro with the... Oh, please excuse. Please I think excuse so. The, 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 uh, the accent. I think so. They're setting themselves up for like ha- for us having low expectation and then they're just going to knock it out of the park. It's just really like, oh, yeah. It's a humble boom. move. It's a, it's a mean, humble brag. It's a straight humble brag. But in any case, to his point though, surfing uh, a surfboard without wax is, I, I guarantee Tom Curran has done something like that. But it makes me wonder also, I mean, I guess Miguel would have seen this happening, but remember spray wax or like it was clear? Oh, yeah. It was like a clear yeah, yeah. coat where you just spray it on. Yeah. Does, does Doc serve up? Maybe Donovan says like, hey, Doc, I'm too busy to uh, spray wax my own boards. So can you just pre-spray them? That's the only solution that I could think of here because as much as I love Miguel and I would not at all call him a liar in any way, there is no way that Miguel, that um, Donovan surfed aboard with no wax. I've never heard of such a thing. I've never heard of it either. But I mean, I feel that thankfully we have listeners because I if this is if this is a true thing that happens, if people do do this, our listeners will know. There will be yeah. one another story in the wild of oh yeah, I know this one guy who, like, you know, whatever waxes the bottom of his feet and then yeah. paddles out. That could be it. Yeah, there there has to be more to this story there because I just, if you've ever touched a surfboard with water on it and no wax, it is the slipperiest thing in the world. And there's there's no reason 
that you would do it. Like there'd be no, I mean, even if you were rushing, if you saw perfect surf, you would know not to do that because you wouldn't even be able to paddle on your board. You would slip off from paddling. Except here's the thing. What if, what if the slippage has more to do with having your feet kind of poorly placed and your weight not exactly balanced? What if a surfer of Donovan's high skill could like pop up on his board so perfectly that his feet aren't slipping like he's in the exact right spot. His weight is exactly over them. There's no slip like, Mm. and he's like doing a double dance of he's both ice skating on a surfboard while, and you know, maintaining that while surfing. I simply, I I cannot imagine that scenario. It sounds like it sounds kind of Aliyah, Aliyah, Aliyah's, what are they called again? Aliyah. Aliyah. We haven't talked about Aliyah's in so long that I forgot how to pronounce Aliyah. Uh, what if though he was doing a sort of an Elia thing? Like just staying super low and going straight? Kind of. Like staying well, super low or like was, spinning around weird. Yeah, Miguel said he was ripping though. I mean, Miguel also said he was an adult learner. Maybe Miguel thought that was ripping. Maybe, Maybe Donovan really low doing sliding and doing I, like circly stuff well, was ripping. The reason why we have to um or the reason why I played this call largely is because exactly what you said. I just need to hear from other listeners. I have never experienced this thing in my life. I've never even heard of it. And it is so far out of left field for me, but I also have a certain, you know, I have a limitation to my own surf experience. And so maybe this has existed elsewhere at a different time in a different place. And so I want to hear back from listeners. Where where did he say the surf trip was? El Salvador. That's where he said. Yeah. 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 So, hmm. I mean, is the water in Salvador like the perfect temperature? to somehow surf waxless there's it's really brown and so maybe there's a grittiness to the water that adheres to your feet um i do like how he acknowledged the absurdity of pat stacy taking photos of a bunch of mediocre surfers you have to realize how tedious that is for pat stacy for a professional surf photographer to sit on the beach all day and just burn the shutter for people who are doing half turns is be- the worst. I, so here's the thing. I believe it's Pat Stacy. Shoot. I got to look now. I got to find Pat Stacy's picture. How does Pat Stacy look again? I don't know. I don't know that I could describe it. Uh, let's see. Photographer. Bear with me, listener. This will be a well worth it. Oh, dang it. He doesn't put pictures of himself. In any case, if the, if it is Pat Stacy, and I think it is, he is also the uh, you hire surf ranch for you and your kook friends, and Pat Stacy is the photographer. So oh, okay. he sits in the water all day at surf ranch, all day, all day, and takes brr, brr, frame Crazy. after frame after frame of you and your kook friends being kooks. Crazy. Brr, yep, man, that's a labor of love, I suppose. It sure is. I mean, the biggest labor of love. I guess so. Um, We've got another listener line call uh, as it relates to Kook and Curran. I'm going to let you weigh in on this one. What's happening, boys? This is Chris from Florida. This would be for the grit. I think this is a Kook or Curran. Don't know if this has been covered, but neck tattoos. You are either the gnarliest dude, Matt Archibald, uh, Philippe Toledo, maybe Idolo. I think they got some neck tattoos or you are the biggest kook. You have the neck tattoos and probably a variety of other tattoos, but you cannot surf 
or you're intermediate at best. My best example would be surfing a pier in Wrightsville Beach, North Carolina. The loudest, most annoying guy in the lineup had some pretty awful neck tattoos, and he uh, could not surf, but was talking a mean game. And then on the other hand, you have Idolo doing the biggest backside air rev known to man, or just Archie, like legendary shredder. Um, with neck tattoos and all a variety of tattoos, but Kuka Kern, neck tattoos. All right, boys. Later. Keep up the work. I'm worried, David Lee Scales. Yep, you should be. <laughs> I am officially, for the first time in my life as a surf journalist, worried. That's scary. It's a scary look in the mirror. I've got to say, it is really, really scary. I've, of course, had myself placed squarely intermediate all these years, all these decades now of being a surf journalist. I'm not an adult learner. I learned to surf as probably first paddled out on the surfboard, I'll say, when I was, I'm going to say nine or something, right? Uh, But I wasn't exclusive, let's be honest. I still put my body on a boogie uh, every now and again. I think I even... At some point, as a even though I was surfing still, at some point, I recall getting a Custom X surfboard custom made. Hmm. Remember Custom X or no. Custom X uh, boogie board? Oh, okay. It was yeah, a bodyboard yeah. brand. And yeah. a, so a custom shaped bodyboard brand, huh? Crazy. And I, was, and I was also skimboarding off and on during these years, right? Let's call you a waterman. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, official you layered and kai lenny yep waterman so i was a waterman uh i was multidisciplinary, just like my waterman fellow waterman uh and all these years i've just thought yeah you know i never sure i never made the tour Uh, you know i never even surfed in a contest uh but i can do a turn etc etc but am i a kook i have neck tattoos it's true uh, I clearly am not a Curran. I would have, I would have been inclined to say I, uh, immediately like make this, make the neck, tat- neck tattoo, uh, kook or Curran. Sorry. I keep mis Kook and Curran that, uh, I single-handedly make the kook and Curran of neck, neck tattoos non-relevant except what if I'm a kook? That's the thing. You really, yep. I mean, if we officially add this to the category, then it cements the reality that you are. A that kook. I'm a kook. But we can also just dismiss it. We can also just say, and and to be perfectly honest, I was going to dismiss it because. It can't I've be dismissed a, so easily. Well, I've seen a lot of intermediate surfers that have neck tattoos. That's like true. I, I mean, that's true. We can, we can, we can uh, dismiss this. I, I completely hear you. On that, but yeah, am I a kook? That well, that's a different question. Exactly. <laughs> uh, kook, de, kook de Hanamoku, you're the waterman, the famous waterman, Duke Hanamoku. Yes, you are kook. Kook. What we need to? I feel that kook is so amorphous. We have been remiss in not defining it specifically. Kook should have a specific definition, like what make somebody a kook surfer aside from let's mm. say you know all the 
garb and gear and whatnot, you know, the stuff. Let's leave that aside. We know what that is, right? And there's obviously in the categories of Kook and Curran, those can sometimes define an epic surfer. But specifically, when it comes to surf ability, where does Kook stop and intermediate start? Like we say, we should be able to take video submissions and accurately define. There has to be one that's a kook and one that's not that's intermediate. You are now low intermediate. Congratulations! Like we could get belts like jujitsu. Yeah, I'm struggling to come up with a concise definition on the spot. I think that um, my initial inclination was to pick a maneuver, right? I mean, okay. So do you have a a vertical snap? Let's say vertical snap. for sure. If somebody can do a vert snap, then they are for sure an intermediate. Yeah, but we can't define it by maneuver is what I was getting towards. Because if we went down that path, there's guys doing the, the aforementioned neck tattoo in Wilmington, doing a front, doing it, let's say a vert snap, but terrible style, ugly as all get out. He wanked off the bottom and then just somehow got his board vert, you know? but it was kooky. So the, it's hard. The moves are so subjective. It really needs to be defined by something else, which is Um, what maybe trying too hard, you know, like trying harder than your ability level would be a kooky thing to do. I like it. Cause there's, there's a version of somebody not doing a vert snap that is just going down the line gracefully. Sure. Somebody who maybe was surfing less than neck tattoo guy who is on a glider who gets in early, does a sick bottom turn, just like a perfectly placed, uh, appropriate bottom turn, and then finds trim and goes straight down the line. And, or and I that's would, not kooky. I would even say there's a version of that, or here's what I guess, I don't know. Uh, this is what I would like to posit here for both, yeah, for the jury, both you and at home. Uh, what about the guy on the shortboard who drops in, doesn't do a full bottom turn, but, you know, does a turn, keeps his body calm, places himself in the pocket of the wave, does a couple pumps, right? And then kicks out at the end, even though the wave had sections to hit and or places to do things. But, you know, he wasn't, he didn't blow the wave. He didn't do anything on the wave or she, right? Is yeah. that when you're on a, let's that's say, a, is that not, are you sure that's not kooky? That's not kooky in my mind. I think, yeah, we're getting to something here. I think that is um, dignified. There's a there's a certain amount of I don't know grace yeah. to just kind of pumping and kicking out or whatever. But but what uh, if he, what if he or she also couldn't do much more than that? Sure, they okay. could have they could have tried, you know. But no, that, uh, well, that's okay. Look, if you're looking at the wave through the lens of Italo you're going to see different opportunities than looking at the wave through the lens of Nat Young, um, the the original Nat Young. Um, so <laughs> I don't know why I picked a guy who his, his name's been used twice. I should have just picked Phil Edwards. Um, but so yeah, there's no way to play that game because everybody's going to see different opportunities, right? So I think it's a matter of... Um, doing what is appropriate for the wave and the surfboard that you're riding, let's say. Except this is what I'm saying though. What if the wave, what if you were at trestles, you catch like the wave of the day, let's say it's like classic trestles four to six, right? 
a high the skate park in quotes. Uh, let's say you are riding. Let's just throw out there a six foot Channel Islands Pro, plenty of rocker, all tapered in, a high performance shortboard if there ever was one. Let's say the surfer drops in, like does a turn. Let's not even call it a bottom turn. Let's say a turn to get back to the pocket has three or four nice pumps down the line and kicks out at the end of the wave. Is Everybody on the beach would be like, dude, what a, he kooked it. He kooked that wave. That's what I'm saying. So then surfing, even with good style, like if there, if he wasn't like all wiggly, this anonymous surfer, if he wasn't all spazzy and out of control, uh, is he a kook for just pumping, you know, appropriately yeah, I a high performance I mean, gotta, wave on a high performance you, board. You got to do a turn at some point on that wave at lowers. I, I, I think the more egregious example of this would be barrel dodging. Like if you had a perfectly flawless tube and yep. you stood just outside of it without trying to get tubed, everybody would agree that was a kook. That's true. And they'd so, be blasted okay, so on Instagram. We really are getting somewhere. And or if you uh, were crouched inappropriately like way ahead of yeah. the tube thinking yeah. that like yeah doing participating in wrong think yeah so underserving the finite resource that is the gift of a wave is a kook move but also over surfing it or overestimating your abilities on a given wave is also a kook move. Okay, but so which so we're we're defining the outer parameters and not to spend too much time here. The problem is most people don't surf like perfect barreling waves or like great high performance waves. Most people yeah. surf, you know, either beach break or and again, we can leave off here. We can leave this to the listener of what on a where is the line? What makes somebody a kook? But what's the thing that right above, if he or she fixed that, would make them a lower intermediate? Right. And I'm not talking about attitude. I'm not talking about, yeah. you know, back paddling or right. going left when the wave is a right. Like clearly those, that's all kook. I'm talking about the that one moment where somebody either is a kook or is lower intermediate. Right. What is it? Yeah. On a, and again, outliers aside, right? Like the barrel, yes, I, I think that is a great that is a great definition of either oversurfing or undersurfing the wave. Yeah, which works when the wave is definably something, right? Yeah. Definably barreling or definably high performance or whatever. But what if it is a you know racy beach break or a you know sluggish kind of reef break or a point break that doesn't really you know open up allow you like a real kind of high performance section where there is a line to go down the, the, you know, a real advanced surfer would be able to rip the bag out of it, but you know, it's still fairly soft shouldery, et cetera. I mean, that's the, that's what most of us surf that kind of those kinds of waves. I'm inclined to think that the answer lies in the bottom turn. Okay. So if you can, if you've got a solid bottom turn, I mean, I think this might be, it's not a, it's not enough to say a solid bottom turn. Like we need to really create or figure out the adjective that defines it clearly. And I'm not sure what it possibly could be, but I think it lies in the bottom. turn. I hear you. Like, I think if you can drop into the wave 
whatever kind of wave it is, really head to the bottom and then properly snap back up without losing speed. Find the pocket. Projection off the bottom into the guts of the wave. Yeah. Projection off the bottom into a first maneuver. I mean, honestly, so much of style comes from transition between maneuvers. Yeah. So that projection off the bottom into a first maneuver that moment in between is where you either kook it or you have bad style or whatever, but a proper bottom turn. I mean, when you lock into a proper bottom turn, you're already finishing your first turn before you even realize it. And then you, and then after the fact you realize, Oh, it was because that bottom turn was so seamless and flawless that I was just like, it pushed me into the most powerful part of the wave off the bottom, you know? So if you cannot bottom turn, then you are a kook. Well, there's a lot of people riding soft tops at surf schools who get to their feet and might even push off the bottom and then they end up on the face of the wave. And so they would define that as a bottom turn, but that's not what we are trying to define. I mean, I would say very few, Jamie O'Brien can bottom turn a soft top. There's others, but it's really hard to bottom turn a soft top. Or I've always found it's real hard to get that much foam, like kind of dug in and and redirectioned. And the fins are plastic yeah. and not strong, you know, not, they don't have projection and drive, but this thing that we're trying to define, it is, it, uh, works for either rights or lefts, regular foot or goofy foot. Yep. So front side or backside, it works whether you're surfing a barreling wave or, I mean, some barreling waves, you just knife in, you don't need a bottom turn, but it it works in almost all type of waves. Sure. And a version of it does too. Like yeah. even in a soft yeah. Even of like soft shouldered wave, you can still get a down to the bottom trophy zone of the wave and then projecting back up. So it also works you, for multiple, multiple tight, like a high performance shortboard, a fish, yeah, a mid length, totally. like all of them. So if you are, if you have a neck tattoo <laughs> yep. or if you bring a ukulele on a surf trip, or if you have a GoPro on the nose of your board, you will either... <laughs> be able to do the bottom turn like Curran or not be able to do the bottom turn at all. At there all. is no chance that you are Agreed. in between. Agreed, 100%. Got it. Okay, Boom. cool. Wow. That was, that was a real mental exercise for I me. mean, that was a major contribution to the canon of surf. I'm going to spend more time on it and really put it into a definition, a one-sentence definition that we can restate here and then apply henceforth. I mean, exactly. Like it needs to be sanded slightly, but I think we're, we're closer to this, to the actual definition of kook or the crossover moment of kook and lower intermediate than anyone in surf media and or surf in general has ever been. Agreed fully. Uh, So if listeners want to chime in on what their thoughts about that are, please add, please add, please do. The number is seven, six, zero, two, three, seven, zero, one, five, zero. Or send it via email. And this email actually came in uh, as a submission for Kook and Curran. Surf helmets. I feel a gentle panic when I spy a helmeted surfer in the lineup, often middle-aged, wearing a usually white gaff helmet. They wear them because they feel a subconscious fear that surfing is dangerous, but do not have the metacognitive abilities to realize that they are the danger. Fumbled 
blinkering takeoffs in front of children. An eight-foot leash attached to an eight-foot mid-length swings through the lineup like a giant's nunchuck. Uh, kooks all. On the other hand, you have Owen Wright and Jeremy Flores recovering from head injury and numerous pipe and chopu chargers. Disclaimer, not a true kook or kern. Kern is too... Um, Current is too current to derive a surf head injury. Also, I wanted to respond to last week's question about getting your four and a half year old into surfing. Yes, for selfish reasons, hours of flat day pushing little Timmy into knee high runners. It's like having a remote controlled surfer, provided that Timmy is keen. Fathers who do this in crowds and push their kids into waves that burn other surfers should be put in stocks and children taken away by social services. Keep work. Mm, I like abandon, it. Abandon, abandon, keep up the work. Nope. Just, just keep, keep work. work. I yep. love it. I love the evolution of the work. Keep. Yep. Um, yeah, I helmets. complete uh, helmets. I think, uh, I think there is a growing movement towards helmets, I suppose, or helmets being, uh, less rare in lineups, yeah. but I completely agree at a like kind of mushy beach break, or a whatever, if you see somebody with a helmet, if you see somebody with a helmet and they're not over like a rifling kind of reef pass, then for sure it's a kook. I mean, up until two years ago, this was absolutely a shoe in for kook and current. Like yeah. I've never seen an intermediate surfer wear a helmet. No, full I mean, and, and I still haven't, uh, I've, I've not seen an intermediate surfer wearing a surf helmet at the places I surf. Right. Like, and, and I would even go a step further up until Michael Sierra Morella started writing about it and talking about it on stab, even at pipeline, I never saw it. Yeah. I mean, there was, for, it was literally, if they wore a helmet, it was Liam McNamara or one of the Japanese dudes. Yeah. On Wikita Bowl, you know? And that was it. Yeah. But now, and, and good on them. I mean, we've talked about this on the air before. Like, would you wear a helmet? If you were a pipe charger, would you wear a helmet? I mean, I think about the future and I say, yeah, I probably would in the future, but no, I wouldn't. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't, if I paddled out there tomorrow, I wouldn't go search for a helmet in the meantime. The, the helmet crossover for us Gen Xers or whatever, like it's so bizarre. The putting a helmet on, I don't wear a helmet when I ride a bike. I didn't wear a helmet when I snowboarded. I definitely wouldn't think about wearing a helmet when I was surfing, even a reef pass. Uh, but the transition to a, like, and I've, I think I've talked about this on the show. I was standing, I think it was last year, I was standing in the tram line at, I think it was Jackson Hole, uh, ready to go to the top of the mountain, you know, looking around of the, I don't know, couple hundred people in the line, realizing that I was the, me and a couple other kooks were the only ones in line without helmets. Literally, it was like two full-on bozos uh, and me didn't have helmets. And then I realized snowboarding now it's completely gone over where unless you're not, you know, you wear a helmet, everybody wears a helmet. Like you don't, you're a kook if you don't. And then I realized I'm a kook and I don't want to be a kook. So I went and bought a helmet, felt really awkward the first couple runs. And then I forgot about it. Yeah, and now too. I snowboard I, with a helmet. I ski with a, I started skiing with a helmet in the last three years. I'd say. Yeah. But I and feel it, that, I feel that if I was riding heavy waves, uh, I would probably cross over a little bit, maybe two. I I'm inclined to, I guess the reality is I'm not going to surf those types of waves very often to where I've put this into reality. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But I mean, if I was, if that was what I was doing, if I was like, you know, every, 
yeah, if I was John Brooks from the Florida Surf Film Festival, uh, that, that, that dude's head is so hard and he could fully give himself like reconstructive brain surgery if he bounced off the reef. Yeah. I, uh, if I was going to be surfing those types of waves or if I was doing a trip, even let's say I probably would source a helmet at this point. Would you though? Well, I think I would because information on head injuries and the negative, the ill effects of head injuries are so apparent and omnipresent now that I would feel irresponsible to not mitigate against them. I mean, I mean literally, it, if you can't enjoy your time with your kids in 20 years from now, because you hit your head on a surf trip once when you were 45, <laughs> it's a bad decision. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, and if that, all it takes is a little bit of a helmet to, then I think that's a worthwhile thing. Imagine how much you would hate yourself. If, if you were on a surf trip, 45 dropped in, you know, oh, air, air bailed to the bottom, boom, off a reef head. Like the initial feeling I would have after I woke up from being knocked out would be such pure self-hatred that it would be worth it wearing a helmet just not to have that self-hatred. You know what? <laughs> I agree with you. I think I'm going to need to wear a helmet around Austin. That kid, first of all, his head's giant and it's hard and he swings it around when you're holding him in his lap, in your lap, he swings it around. He's liable to knock your, knock your tooth out, yeah. liable to break your nose. And at first we were like, man, we got to get this kid a helmet because he also falls down. What I realized I need to be wearing a helmet around yeah. him. He's liable yeah. to knock me out with that thing. Man. Yeah. Does, are you, it's funny that. Are you going to be a, he's not like kicking a skateboard or anything yet, is he? No, not even. Yeah. Like I remember when young daughter started, you know, riding a bike and all that, of course, like it's helmet, 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 helmet. Uh, and I feel I've laxed up. Like she can kick her, as long as she's not like in the skate park, say, oh, whatever, don't wear a helmet. Right. She's going to yeah. like ride her bike down the street. But otherwise, like, yeah, no, I mean, I'm, it's weird how for this generation, Helmets all the time. Helmets for everything. Helmets for all. I'm going to have to confront that shortly, I'm sure, because he's got an adrenaline kind of lust. Um, he has this little Adirondack chair, plastic mm. one, and he loves to push it so far backwards that it falls back oh, and he like hits the ground. So we make sure that the thing's never on concrete. We have to leave that Adirondack chair in the grass and then hopefully he doesn't move it. And if he tries to do that, and we're not looking. Well, he got away with it the other day and fell back, um, didn't injure himself, but my mom was stressing about it. So I got a big foam mat, like a big, we have these foam mats that you could put on the floor and they like interlock together. You know, they're probably three foot by three foot squares, took one square and super glued the chair to the square. Oh yeah. So yeah. then he went and sat in it yesterday and tried to lean back and the foam flexes. So the chair still goes back. He just can't figure out why he can't get it to flip all the way back. How mad is that he? Foam's holding it in place. Well, he thought, I thought he'd be frustrated by it. Turns out he just thinks it's a game and he's oh. cracking up trying to do it now. Oh, perfect. So I outsmarted him. <laughs> yeah, good kid. job. Good job. Thank you. It wasn't that hard. Um, <laughs> I got a listener line call. This is not uh, necessarily uh, Kook and Curran, but it's related to a previous show, and I think you'll be amazed by our influence. Hello, David and Chaz. This is Anonymous from Encinitas. A few weeks ago, you were discussing which cars Kooks are most likely to drive versus cars for people who rip. I believe your conclusion was that the kookiest car was either a Tesla or a Sprinter. 
This one hurt as my daily driver was indeed a sprinter and my wife a Tesla. I've been listening to your podcast for years and I take your advice seriously. I knew what I had to do. I immediately listed the sprinter for sale. Two weeks later, I took the proceeds directly to the Toyota dealer and bought a Tacoma. For my inaugural surf session in my new truck, I drove directly to an unnamed cobblestone point in North San Diego County. My very first wave shocked me. My bottom turns were deeper. Top turns were nearing one o'clock. I was indeed surfing better. Then I found myself outside the pack when a wave twice the size of others that day approached me. I took off deep, drove down the wave over 100 yards through the pack of salty locals, many of whom were hooting as they did my best John John impression. As I paddled back out, no fewer than four people stopped to tell me it was the wave of the day. The funniest part of the story is that it's 100% true. I sold my Sprinter, bought a Tacoma, and I'm objectively surfing better. Thanks for your surf coaching. P.S. Chaz, I have a pile of Amazon boxes in my yard that I'm waiting for the rain to soften before I smush them into the recycling bin. It hasn't rained in a month. Any suggestions? Brilliant man. And I think people think we offer advice on this show that it's funny, right? We try to give a little spoonful of sugar, help that medicine go down, but all of it's true. That's 100%. A Toyota totally. Tacoma will make you surf better. A Sprinter will not. And it's hard. It's yeah. hard to sell the Sprinter. It's roomy in there, comfortable. You can have your rinse kit and whatnot real easy. Uh, sell it, get it to Coma, surf better. It's that simple. The um, issue here now, so yeah, I'm, I, uh, yeah, I mean, I defy, it's, if you take the advice and you actually use the advice, your life will be immeasurably better in very little time, even as it relates to these boxes, right? Okay. The rain, uh, is the best medicine for a box. But you know what else is some good medicine? Hmm. Hot summer sun. The boxes get like kind of fragile and, and brittle. It takes longer than the rain, but eventually picking them up when they're all like weird looking and like almost turning to dust and dropping them in, you can fit so many more of these, yeah, completely dried out cardboard boxes. It just takes longer, but your satisfaction level of this will be even greater. Now, the problem is this June gloom time where it's neither uh, wet nor warm and you just muscle it out. Like you muscle out these years or these months for the glory of putting those dehydrated cardboard boxes into the recycling bin. The glory of not having to spend 15 minutes a week cutting down the boxes. I mean, all, all of that time too, this guy's going to be basically WQS bound before no time. Because with that extra 15 minutes, you can be out practicing ripping even more. I'm waiting, practicing wave key. I'm waiting yeah. for uh, Brad Gerlach to incorporate buying a Tacoma into his wave key program. Sh- lesson, I mean, lesson number 21, sell the Sprinter, buy a Tacoma. Here's how. It's so true. It is so true. Tacoma would be happy. I mean, they know it's true, so they don't even have to offer him a like code. They don't no. need the people to do that. They just know it's true. The exactly. people at Toyota are like, yeah, I mean, can't offer you even any kind of discount because it's true. Exactly. Um, so there's kind of an, an additional segment built in here that we, we, we revisit every once in a while, but, um, celebrities who surf, 
there seems to be more and more celebrities who surf. And the connection here is that people sent me photos of Christian Bale driving a Toyota Tacoma with a surfboard in the back, sticking Boom. out the back. And it wasn't even the lifted Tacoma. It was an old, small one. And it's like Christian Bale can afford to buy whatever Tacoma he wants or whatever truck he wants. If he, He's driving an old school Tacoma that looks like it has 250,000 miles on it. With Christian Bale knows. Uh, what, what board was in the back? Couldn't tell because it only showed... Uh, it wasn't a entire shot, but you could see it was definitely a surfboard, like the rail line dipping down into the bed of the truck. Was it a longer board or a, sh- yeah. a longer board? So those That's beds okay, are relatively sure. small, so you yeah. could fit like a six-foot shortboard angled from mm-hmm. di- diagonally. This was long enough to where he just had to put the nose in, uh, and then like it's, sit, it's resting on the tailgate. So it was somewhere between, let's say, six, seven, and seven, three. It could be more than seven three. I couldn't see anything other than okay. kind of the tailgate itself with the board dipping in. Beautiful though. I mean, so proof Christian in the Bale. pudding right there. The other t- celebrity talk. Um, Sterling Spencer posted a funny video about Rick Rubin getting into surfing. Nice. Did you see it? I didn't. Um, he's making fun of Rick. I mean, he's Spencer. not really. Yeah, exactly. It's it. Funnily, it's not really making fun of Rick Rubin at all, except it's completely mockable what rick rubin is doing which is he's like standing on one foot he's going straight down the line on a left as a goofy foot and he's balancing on one foot it's like a yoga pose actually i think where you balance on that one foot and lean forward the uh rick rubin i feel is one of those personalities who's sort of above reproach i mean where i could see him out there you know at malibu or wherever he is uh, just doing weird stuff, one-footed surfing to get his mind into the creative space that it needs to be to then go make a musical masterpiece later. So completely agree. Is anybody cooler than Rick Rubin? I don't think so. The wife got his book. What's his book called? It just came know. out. It's like the key to creativity or something. He wrote oh, a new okay. book on creativity and I think is thoroughly enjoying she'll every once in a while read me some rick rubin creative tips and you know any kind of self-helpy anything usually she'll tell me stuff uh and i'll say oh cool externally while internally <laughs> guffawing you think about uh, punching cardboard boxes yeah just like no, yeah she's like oh, oh cool uh but when she reads me rick rubin nuggets i'll be like ooh, ooh. I, I should incorporate that mm, so right away. Fully agree. And when I saw Sterling post about it and learn that Rick Rubin was surfing, I thought, wow, what a gift to surfing Rick Rubin is. And I watched the clip of him standing on one foot and I go, man, that's mockable if anybody else was doing it. Yep. But how charming it is that somebody who's new to surfing is not taking cues from Felipe no. Toledo's world title. He's just completely on his own plane doing his own thing. Doing his I own thought, thing. And then I thought to myself, he also defies his own look somehow. Like, it's like he tried to think of the most unlikely aesthetic for a super wealthy music producer. And he went with Allen Ginsberg, you know, from 1960, whatever. Yep. Like he, the look that he's rocking, you wonder if he's a homeless beat poet or maybe just a grizzled mountain man who hasn't left his cabin in 15 years and he wears animal skins that he harvested himself. Yep. Except it turns out he's the most prolific 
music producer of all time that's worked in every genre from with Jay-Z and Pharrell to Metallica to Red Hot Chili Peppers to Weezer to Johnny Cash to the Dixie Chicks. Like, and when he opens his mouth, incredibly enlightened, everything that he says, you're just like, wow, that's unbelievably kind and gentle and smart and articulate and insightful. And the guy's incredible. We should get Rick Rubin on the show, really, now that I I think about it. If he happens, if he's into surfing and he happens to listen to surf podcasts and he happens to listen to this, Rick Rubin, there would be no greater guest that we could get. Yep. Come on. Come aboard, Rick Rubin. Yeah. Come on. Um, More celebrities now than ever, though, surfing and talking about surfing publicly. Shakira. That's yeah, exactly. Shakira, right? Shakira like actively surfs a lot. I mean, and makes it's part of her life. Like it's not just she's not doing it for the gram, as they say. Right. She is like surf. She goes on surf trips and looks forward to surfing. Amazing. Yep. It's interesting. Weird. More popular now than ever. Except when it comes to the financial state of the World Surf League. Ooh, that ties us into trust in us. Let's play the theme music. It's always brought to us by Sunbum, but no need to mention that because they already gave us a PSA and they said, hey, you don't even have to mention our name. Just think Sunbum? Help, help move the needle on skin cancer. That's all we care about. So our first uh, or our one and only trust in us inquiry comes from a listener. Hey, guys, I have a maybe an unpopular opinion, but do the surfing need the WSL, like surfing in general or the everyday surfer? I mean, is it is it really needed in our sport and coming from an average surfer, I mean, my friends don't follow the WSL, you know, maybe they know who won a competition or you see a highlight on Instagram or, you know, we'll watch pipe live, but everything else isn't a big deal. And it seems like it just loses money. Um, so I don't, I don't really see the purpose of it. I mean, crowning the best surfers in the world just doesn't seem as cool anymore. Um, you know, more impressed by what more free surfers are doing. Um, what I do like about the competitions is, you know, I'll put it on the background once in a while and you get to see some of the surf breaks uh, at their not so finest moments and you get to learn more about it versus just what they look like perfectly. You know, watching bells when it's not perfect is kind of interesting too. So, you know, that, that's a benefit for me, but otherwise, should we just get rid of the WSL and rely on people free surfing and sponsors and, you know, trips to see some of the best surfing in the world. And we can determine who the best surfer is on our own. I don't know. Think about it. Does surfing need the WSL? You know, and I'm going to say, I love that a first off that his big takeaway from watching WSL content is to see bells bad. (laughs) Is is Watching crappy bells is his like, that's the the positive takeaway. That's That's the the WSL's greatest contribution (laughs) is allowing us to see how world-class surfers surf mediocre waves. Uh, But amazing. He's totally correct. Uh, The problem is what makes the WSL fun. And again, this is what makes it enjoyable. And we go too far probably. And I think we're, haven't even said one thing about the WSL today except for right now. Or maybe uh, in weeks, really. Yeah. It does give funny talking points. Like it's a funny thing to mock for me, the idea of surfing 
of professional surfing specifically, but really of the World Surf League. Uh, like the World Surf League is so mockable and so it's such high comedy. It's like absolute peak. It's like if Monty Python was running in real time and we mm-hmm. got to experience in real time the glorious humor of Monty Python. That is what the WSL is. So you know surfing does not need it. But no. culture needs the World Surf League to be the most absurdly ridiculous bit of theater. And who knows when it's going to end, right? Like posted on Beach Grit late last night, heard the rumor that the chief financial financial officer, as well as many others, were allegedly fired overnight, right? Even in this, the season of unprecedented World Surf League growth that uh, CEO Eric Logan just you know, took zero, yeah, or took all the pleasure in announcing at the start of the year, like we've never seen growth like this, right? Et cetera, et cetera, right? But gone, everybody gone again. It seems like a disaster. It is so patently absurd. I don't know where you could find characters like Eric Logan or Jesse Miley Dyer or the... Like that's the music that's playing all the time. What's the the old timey music where people are chasing each other around the goofy. Yeah. The Benny. It's like, yeah, Benny, Benny Hill, which is, that is the soundtrack of the WSL. It is. I encourage everyone to enjoy it while it's here because it's going to be gone. And we will look back on this moment as a golden era of professional sports comedy that there was a league that was so inept, so goofy it was allowed to exist because a billionaire's wife was into it, but it was so patently absurd as to defy daily belief and it's yeah. going to go away. So enjoy it now, everyone. You nailed it. I mean, that sums it up really. Um, I agree with you. Surfing absolutely does not need the WSL. The WSL's contributions to quote surfing at this point are non-existent. And yeah, not to surfing. It's nothing. No. And I've, um, you know, stated, let's say three years ago, started stating that they really need to take cues from the UFC because when I was young and the UFC was really just starting before it was owned by who, who owns it now, there was all this concern about it being too pugilistic, too brutal. And so that when it, you know, we couldn't have it on TV. So the movement was, Let's introduce rules and there can't be blood. There needs to be weight divisions. You can't hit people in the groin and all this to kind of tame it down. And instead, once the current owners got involved, they said, nope, we're going to lean into the bloodiness of it. Screw you. We'll make our own network. We'll create our own viewing platforms. We need the only thing that is essential about what we're doing is the brutality of it. And so we're not going to lean away from that. And so I was saying three plus years ago, follow the WSL or follow the UFC's cues and lean into the man versus nature element, put them in great surf, harrowing situations. Anybody can relate to the inherent drama of that. Instead of taking that cue, what they did was build the equivalent to the WWE. (laughs) I mean, literally, Chris Cote having the people stand off in front of each other on the beach at lowers and so what's uh, the WWE, the only difference between that comparison is that the WWE is successful. You know what I mean? <laughs> like they make money. And yeah. so it's become its own circus. And 
wrestling, I'm sure there was a moment where professional wrestling and or collegiate wrestling saw what was happening with the WWE and thought it was uh, maybe a threat to what they were doing or would sully the reputation of what they're doing. But it so quickly just became a farce that wrestling never had to worry about it again. And that's really where the WSL is at now. They are the ones who need to look in the mirror and realize nobody's taking you seriously. And and you guys, I mean, I don't know how you guys don't realize that you're the last people who think that you are the arbiters of surfing because you're not. No. And so, yeah. And so you guys need to just acknowledge what you are become the circus sideshow. In fact, lean into it. The more you lean into it at this point, because you're running in wave pools, you've got the standoff face off thing. You've got the music, you've got all of it. Uh, you're so far removed from representing surfing and what surfers are. So just lean into the WWE aspect. Cause that's what it is at this point. The, I mean, and uh, you know, right on cue surf ranch is yeah. what this Friday, two days away. Yeah tomorrow yeah. or depending on when you're listening to this program it might be running which is i mean between what they're advertising for surf ranch is like we don't even need to spend any more time on it but it is such a goof show of like their new changing the format to have the people who lose in the day or whatever who get second and third i suppose in their heat to go surf quote under the lights end right. quote like that's some great like the, that's what the viewer was asking for. You know, I'd really like surf ranch if it could be at night. I mean, then I'd be into it. Like this day stuff is like, I'm always squinting. It's like weird, but man, they can put big old lights there. That's what I want to see. Like it's like, it's mockably comical, but again, to everyone enjoy every, it's going to go away at some point. At some point, Dirk Ziff's wife is going to get bored and, or, move on and or something and, and or Dirk Ziff's going to say, you know, enough like, uh, yes, you know, it's weird. Uh, and it's going to go away and we will say, wipe our tears. Say that was funny. Yep. I agree. And we were here yep. watching the train or the ship go down. Yep. Well, no need to go to commercial break. Thanks to Sunbum, of course, but I do have a call that I would play, would have played for you if we went to commercial as uh, coming out of the commercial. And this is in relation to, I believe, last week's show. David and Chaz, um, listening to the show right now, and um, it's Saturday, so I'm listening to it on a Saturday in the evening. And huge coincidence, um, you guys are talking about um, serpent dogs, but Chaz brought up um, a dog that would take kids surfing um, for kids with uh, special needs. And actually, I volunteer with that group. It's called a walk on water. And we actually just had an event today at Volta Chica State Beach. And the dog he's referring to is Howley. Um, he's from Ventura. And yeah, he's a pretty great dog. He's been working with the walk on water for a long time. He actually passed a few years ago. Um, so he has a younger brother named Poncho who does the same thing. Um, yeah, he's just, you know, a surf therapy dog, has a great demeanor and, uh, really calms kids down on the beach. Uh, and he, you know, uh, spread a lot of love in his life. And it was a great, great thing for the kids. Great thing to see. Kids would love to get on board with him and ride, uh, waves with him. And, you know, we miss him a lot. And yeah, it's just cool that you guys are, you know, talking about that and i just wanted to call and give you guys some insight on who that dog was his name is howley um, again from ventura and the nonprofit that 
uh, he would work with and I work with also is called a walk on water. And we take, you know, kids with all different types of unique needs uh, surfing. And we have, you know, events in California, on the East Coast, and we're in the middle of our season right now. And I think it's just, you know, be a great thing to kind of shout out on the show. I think uh, people should look it up and possibly get involved. But, yeah, you guys were just talking about the dog, and I thought I'd let you know who that dog was. All right, cheers, guys. Keep up the work. Absolutely love it. A walk on water. Yep, shout out. Absolute shout out. And this is what I was talking about. Yeah, surf therapy dogs. Barrel. Yeah, very barrel. Uh, well, perfect segue straight into Barrel or Nah. So I've got an updated theme song, slightly shorter version. It's Barrel. It's Barrel. It's Barrel. It's 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 Barrel. It's a hard barrel. It's Barrel. Hard barrel. Barrel. It's a hard barrel. It's Barrel or Nah. First barrel or not, I believe has come up in the past, but it was years and years ago, and it's worth revisiting because it's only become more and more prevalent in the surf world. Hey guys, Jules over in San Luis Obispo here calling in about a barrel or not. You might have covered this before. I'm not sure. I'm kind of new to the show. So barrel or not, chains on men, barrel or not. The wife and I were a little... Uh, torn apart on this one and i was kind of hoping to get some input from the grid all right love you bye so stab magazine actually featured this in an article and it because it was part of stab in the dark they addressed this question with idolo ferreira about him wearing gold chains and why we see so many surfers wearing gold chains in the water now mm-hmm. surfing in gold chains so barrel or not surf uh wearing gold chains you know this one is one of those barrels or not many a surprising number of barrel or nas are completely, it doesn't matter what culture you're in, where you are in the world, they either are barrel or not. This one I'm going to have to stamp with directly cultural, where mm. if you are Brazilian and or, you know, South American and or something rather else, uh, where the chain is the ubiquitous part of costume then how can you say it's not a barrel, right? It would not be a barrel for me to do that. In Southern California, as a white cisgendered man. And so I will say, if you're a white cisgendered man, take your damn chain off before you surf and or don't wear one, preferably. Chris Ward does it. Yeah, no barrel, Chris. Mm-hmm. Take that take that thing off. Kanoa Igarashi. Definitely take it off. Uh, he's not even white, but still take it off. That's why I threw him out there is because he doesn't fit South American. That's what I'm saying. As as South America, there might be a couple other uh, protected groups in there Mm -hmm. uh, who, and I'm not even going to say it's a barrel for them. I'm just going to say it is not, not a barrel, but I'm going to give them a pass, a cultural pass. Everyone else, no barrel. Yeah. I'm going full no barrel. I'd be curious to hear what the caller, whether he said he and his wife were divided. I'm curious who thought it was a good idea. That's a good question. Does he wear a chain? And wife's like, oh man, she will be the awesomest. I have a feeling that she probably is like, who cares? Let them wear chains. Why are you yeah. making such a big deal? But if he was putting his chain on to go surf and or wasn't taking it off when he was surfing and she was like, that's a kooky look. She is a hero. Yeah, I agree. I just, I, I'm not for adornment. And also it's uh, so unfunctional, like it gets in the way of what you're doing in the water, right? And rings do the same thing. Like 
you can get away with a watch because it's strapped on, but a ring's liable to slide off. A necklace is certainly liable to slide off. It's expensive. So then you'll feel weird. If you lose it, you'll feel bad. It's just, there's no purpose at all for wearing it. Unless you're Brazilian. And you want to get a photo, you know, like maybe in the photo, it's a little more glitzy and that looks radical or something. And those guys are on such a different level that they can kind of add in layers of things like that. Glitz of of peacocking. Yeah, I guess. But I'm going to say, yeah, no barrel. I mean, I think we can be, again, aside from the protected class, no barrel. Okay. I'm going, I'm going no barrel full stop, even for those guys. Uh, Second, second one comes, second one comes in from a long time uh, commenter on Beach Grit and listener of the show came in, I think via email, he said, this is Keith from New Jersey, in quotes. He put that in quotes. Um, I was reading the highly annoying interview with Kelly Slater on Stab, which was premised on the new sandals that nobody will buy, but the Vals here at the Jersey Shore this summer. But of course, the interview devolved into other areas, except for discussion about his being cut and getting the wild card over Ramsey Bukayam. Uh, I thought it wouldn't get any more absurd than the talk about his lumber refining business, but then it did when the discussion turned to the wave pool. Apparently, his daughter had her bachelorette party in October at Surf Ranch. Apparently, the bachelor party was there too at the same time. But most absurd yet predictable, Kelly was there in attendance at his own daughter and soon-to-be son-in-law's joint bachelor-bachelorette party. I do recall being at bachelor parties back in the day when parents of the groom or the bride were there and it was always awkward. I do have an issue with this, but maybe I'm just being too hard on the delicate genius goat. Maybe this is a barrel or not going to your own son or daughter's bachelor slash bachelorette party question mark. Here we go. Thank you so much. Quote Keith from New Jersey End quote. Uh, I just read something the other day popped up, I think as a headline, must have been, that was said 70% of people cheat at their bachelor slash bachelorette parties. What? That's exactly my the look on my face. I said, what is this? So I opened it and quickly started reading, realizing that cheating, just like, quote, Keith from New Jersey, end quote, was cheating, quote, cheating, end quote. Uh, it was like, I think had every anything to do from like touching somebody to like touching a stripper or something to whatever like that that was all included in the mm. cheating mm. uh you know it was like but I do believe that the actual cheating what you or I would consider cheating intercourse at some level uh was like still like 20 or 30%. It That's was like ridiculously high. Yeah. All of it's wow. really high. Yep. So in light of that uh, I would say, I mean, it's weird if your parents are there, I guess, if that's what you're getting up to at some level, did you have a bachelor party? No. Yeah. I mean, I think we could broaden this out to bachelor bachelorette parties in general, barrel or not. <laughs> that's a good point. Um, uh, cause I would be I, inclined to say no on both. Yeah, I I guess specific to this guy's question, Kelly Slater, it's at Surf Ranch. It's almost he's obliged to make an appearance. All of those attendees are going to want to see and interact with Kelly. Are they? Are I mean, they want yes. to see Kelly like yes. catch yeah. catch their waves because you assume that Most they're all there surfing, surf. right? 
No, they probably don't surf. I mean, the kid's Why doing the it world? at Surf Ranch because her dad is Kelly Slater. You know Why in mean? the world would you drive to Lemoore, California for a, ba- a co-ed bachelor, bachelorette party and not only surf? Be- only because your dad's Kelly Slater. And, and he was like, yeah, I'll give you a good discount, man. Usually this place <laughs> rents out for 10000 bucks per hour. Uh, I'll give way, it to you guys for like five. I, I mentioned that it was $55,000 a day and I got an email saying it's actually 80 during the oh, summer. They've uh, yeah. 80 during they, the summer. They upped it during the summer months, the peak months. Um, but so Kelly, so obviously that's why Kelly's at this one, but in general parents at a bachelor party or bachelorette party full. No, for yeah. me, number one, uh, it, if like they don't want you, the kids don't want you there. I think it's weird if you're the adult and you want to be there policing the kids, because by the way, they're not kids, they're adults, they're getting married and people deserve a certain element of privacy and distance from the parental relationship. And so if they're going to do cocaine, allow them to do cocaine. You know, they don't need you policing them. And, and kind of beyond that, if they are going to cheat, There's no amount of parenting that you can do to stop somebody from cheating. If they are a cheater and they're going to cheat, they're going to cheat, you know? And so, yeah, they're going to feel like they could get away with it at the bachelor party. But guess what? If they're that type of a person six months down the road when their spouse isn't looking, they're going to do it then as well. And so you're not going to prevent that from happening. If anything, let them identify themselves as a cheater at the bachelor party so that other people in that circle know and that information can be made public. The uh, in truth also like, yeah, leaving the our bachelorette bachelor or bachelor bachelorette bachelor or bachelorette parties valuable in any way, shape or form. Let's leave that aside. Uh, having the parent there is just it's neither the time nor place for any of it, whether it's like the most, the cleanest of clean, right? It's the dudes just getting together, telling, talking story with the dude who's getting married or, you know, vice versa for the, on the lady side. Like it's neither the time nor place for a parent to be there. doesn't matter what's happening. Totally agree. So Kelly sticking his turtle foot right where it don't belong. (laughs) Classic. Totally. I wonder if he gifted everybody turtle moon sandals. Uh, for sure. For sure. They had the absolute, if there was anything, the Kelly Slater's cheapness is notorious. Yeah. But if there was gift packages, it would have been a discontinued K-Grips uh, stomp pad, a pair of turtle sandals, and like the outer known shirts that didn't sell. Exactly. Last year's outer known. Yeah. Um, okay, final barrel or not coming in from, I believe, Puerto Rico. Here we go. David Lee Scales and Chas Smith, what's bueno? This is Carlos Felipe from Puerto Rico, having fun with the listener line call for the first time. And I thought I'd lead with a Ric Flair style intro that I prepared for Chas. You talking to the Rolex wearing, Tudor hating, private jet flying limousine and surfboard riding son of the grit and i know you're having a hard time holding those gucci loafers down apologies for my voice i have covid so it was a perfect time for my call barrel or not never washing your board shorts and letting them hang dry in your garage my wife looked at me the other day putting them on and just said the word fungus also I want to chime in on Cooker Curran. Carrying your board fins out 
I remember purposefully holding my board this way in homage to the Endless Summer 2 poster, where Pat's aesthetically pleasingly holding his board fins out. Plus, I don't mind getting the wax on me. Sometimes the board's just more accessible this way. Finally, I know it's fun to poke fun at Kelly, kind of the same way as it is to make fun of Laird. I'm thinking comedy genius Sterling Spencer. Let's show Kelly some love and get the David Lee Scales and Kelly Slater interview campaign going. Keep up the bueno work. All right. Never washing your trunks, your surf trunks. Thank you so much, Miguel. And Miguel is exactly right. I don't know anybody who considers the ocean not entirely cleansing in and of itself is a wacky person. It's a big bucket of salt water. Salt water is a good thing, people. You, it cleanses and purifies. You never have to wash anything that goes in the salt water. Like where, I mean, especially if you're regularly surfing, now I get, you know, you're California, for example, you're trunking it uh, for a couple months, three months, four months, maybe, you know, the warm water time ends and then that's when you can wash your trunks, right? Like hanging them in the garage when you're not going to surf for, you know, six months or whatever uh, in them is weird. But if you're regular, if you live in Puerto Rico and you're regularly paddling out in trunks, never wash them. Never, never. once wash them. Why are you going to waste other like drinking water and soap and stuff on them? No, absolutely not. This Your is, wife is wrong. The wife's totally wrong. Um, this is the equivalent to a cast iron pan or a coffee pot. Those surf trunks are seasoned. They're even, um, they've got wax on them, you know? And so it, it, you don't want to wash that wax in the dryer, in the washer. It'll actually contaminate the washer no. with that film. And so- you want them to be seasoned. So they're seasoned. They're stiff in the right places. They have that little bit of gr- waxy grip on them. And they're furthermore, to your point, is there's no reason. They're no. not sullied. They're not dirty on the interior. So if you're wearing the board shorts out and about around town and sweating in them and stuff like that, of course you wash them. But the interior is fully cleansed by the sea. You are and so fine. there's no purpose at all. You're only going to defile them by running them through a washing machine. Amen and amen. They're like denim. You're not supposed to wash denim either, Miguel. Yeah. Uh, you've, you've told me that. I, yeah. I uh, don't abide by it, but I hear you. I mean, you just got to get the right denim. Yeah. And then don't wash it. But anyway, yeah. in any case, yeah, don't wash your board shorts. Barrel, not to. Full barrel. Don't wash your board shorts. Go sell your Sprinter van. Do your skin checks. That's our advice. Live your best life. Live your best life and surf better. Real quick, and why uh, the Laird Kelly, there's one big difference between the both is Laird is self-aware and Kelly is not. Mm. That's the major difference. Laird will DM, DMs beach grit every once in a while with the, wow, you guys said something nice about me. Uh, in a very humorous, humorous way. Laird is a very aware of the aura of Laird and how he can both play into that and what it means. And it's funny and, you know, gets it. Kelly does not get it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, hey, great show. Beachgrit.com is where you can go learn all of the latest surf news that nobody else will report on. Uh, 
at surf journalist is where you find Chaz. Surfsplendorpodcast.com is where you find myself, David Lee Scales. It's also where you could find out how to check your, to know your spots and do your skin checks. Cause I'll post that. I'll embed that Instagram post from Sunbum there. So if you want to find that or anything else that we discussed on this show, surfsplendorpodcast.com. Anything else from you, Chaz? That's it. That's all I can think of. We covered a lot today. All right, sweet. Well, after uh, next week, by the time we record this again, Surf Ranch will be done and dusted. Who was your so. Who was your uh, pick, real quick, in your losers league? Kanoe Garashi. Mm, good call. Good call. Smart. You think it would be? He's having a rough year, unfortunately, mm. but I feel like in that environment, he's as dependable as they come. I mean, I don't want to burn a Felipe or a Gabriel in that event. I just want to get through the event, and I feel like he's as reliable as you can get. I'm straight up burning Philippe this event. That's what Are you? Just, yeah. Take a wave pool, Philippe. That's all you're good for. He's good for Brazil. He's like the most winning surfer at Brazil. Um, so I'm using him there. Yeah. If I make it through the pool. Hey man, I'm still in the I'm still in the proper league. I know. Good for you. Good for you. All right. Well, hey Chaz, thank you so much. And until next week. Hey, this is for the grit, David and Chaz. Toby in Portugal here with the is he or isn't he British accent to show my gratitude for the skin cancer advice. I feel obliged to push back on last week's correspondence on the subject of eating vegetables and maybe offer a little PSA myself. First off, I guess we have to ask how much we should trust someone whose livelihood is based on selling something that he himself believes to be prejudicial to our health. Doesn't that make him morally the same as, like, a meth dealer? No wonder he wants to remain anonymous. Turning to the evidence he deploys, we have an anecdote about blood work, and then what he says about plant toxins. And here we're in classic territory for this kind of thing, because he's half right. He uses some science-y terminology, but he arrives at the completely wrong conclusion. Yes, plants produce endogenous chemicals, toxins to deter pests, but it's all about the dose. Enough to stop a bug from eating you isn't enough to harm anybody. And the same goes for what's absorbed from the soil. Pesticides sound nasty, but we should remember that even organic simply means treated with organic pesticides and definitely not free from chemicals. Does our mystery emailer mention anything more persuasive, like large studies of people who forego fruit and vegetables? He does not, because no such studies exist. The reason? Even if you did buy his arguments, you'd have to be pretty privileged to buy his groceries. And the cost to the planet, if we all followed his lead, should be obvious. So let's look at the flip side. Places like Okinawa in Japan and Sardinia in Italy are known as blue zones because they have way above average numbers of centenarians. And what do people eat there? They eat a little bit of everything. So here's the mantra. Eat food, not too much, mostly plants. Simple. Everything else is at best unproven and at worst somebody trying to sell you some BS. Thanks, guys. Keep up the work. Get barreled. Bon voyage.